Hello, baby. Once again, once everybody. again, that's once right. again, once again, and over again. Once What's that from? Again. I don't know. <laughs> this is Style and Direction, a mentor podcast. Without the stuffiness, this is one no of your hosts. No stuffiness here, folks. Ethan M. Wong. I'm your other host, Spencer DSO. And uh, Spencer, I heard you have like an announcement for us or something, right? I have an announcement to make. I've entered my condo phase. Um, so you might notice our, if our audio sounds a little bit different because I'm recording in a new place, I'm, uh, I'm in a condo now and you gotta I'm start taking about... fit pics like John, uh, JTR. So we can start mapping out the condo. Yeah. You know? And so re- all my, I'm, I'm, I've ascended past clothes, unfortunately. And now I'm just getting excited about like buying a new spatula, um, or paper towels and stuff that's what i get really excited about well now. you know for the first one there's a spongebob episode about that oh really yeah i gotta get on this spongebob shit i've been hearing so much about this yellow feller <laughs> is, isn't it like the longest running nickelodeon show? i think it's the longest running like animated show now well not well you, maybe the secret to having a long-running animated series is giving the main character just like painting him yellow because we got the simpsons we got spongebob um and those are that's it. <laughs> yeah, I mean those are only two those are only two shows that matter actually. Yeah. Um but anyway, that's uh, if I'm going to be talking, I'm buying just a, a lot of uh, grilling and cooking stuff now. And so that's my that's my life. But the audio sounds better hopefully. Yeah. Uh, and if it doesn't, well, I don't know why I moved. <laughs> that was the whole that was the whole Your reason. whole life yeah, you... yeah is just about the podcast. <laughs> Yeah, that's my it's it's my life, folks. I care about it. <laughs> Your whole life revolves around, you know, just having the best audio quality possible. And if you don't, then you're dead. Then I'm dead. I mean, I shared with you the we can get a $15,000 podcasting cubicle that I can install somewhere in my condo um uh, with or without my roommate's permission. I think to do it without your roommate's permission. Better ask, better, better to ask for forgiveness than to ask for permission. Exactly. I mean, what I was thinking is I could just put it in my in my garage, and you know, it's like, hey, I'll just park park outside. It's that go. easy. That's it. And I could be like uh, Mark Marin, the king of the the king of podcasts. King, that's right. That's right. <laughs> he famously records in his garage. Did you hear about Lock how the gates? Uh, how Gear Patrol released like their top like fashion podcast for men, and we're not on that list. Uh, yeah, and but Ouch. WTF with Mark Marin is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's actually not. But uh, no, yeah. We what's what's funny and no shade to Gear Patrol, although why I don't I don't like cops, so a cab. <laughs> all right, first off, no no one likes to patrol here. Um, but there's like a podcast on there that hasn't been updated since December 2020, and I'm like, come, come on. on, dude, like <laughs> come on. You can't say that's an active menswear podcast. Maybe it just says top menswear podcast of all time. This is the problem with the podcast journalism industry. We need a Gamergate, but for podcasts. Yeah, I'm kidding. Um, this, is but, about, this is about... Uh, <laughs> well, honestly, integrity. what good menswear podcasts are there? Like, other than Blammo and, like, well, yeah, I guess, the, the, I saw a little bit of the know, list. Like, 
I saw oh, a little wow. bit of the list, and all the podcasts were like, oh, here's a history of fashion. And it's like, that's not pick a menswear a, podcast. Pick up a, pick up a that's book. That's school. Yeah. <laughs> Go back to school, you nerd. Get out it's, of here. With it's summer vacation, baby. Shit. Yeah. Well, speaking of school, we're about to be schooled on Paris. <laughs> we're like gonna, we're gonna get everybody? we're gonna get down into this Europe shit. We're gonna figure That's out right. what's going on over there. Maybe I That's call right. Euro trip, even though it basically only took place in one part of Europe. One well, city. Maybe, what's Franco yeah. trip? Maybe. Yeah. I guess that sounds like you're like a Spanish fascist, but. <laughs> <laughs> or you're hanging out with two brothers, Dave and James. You could be. You could be. There we go. Th- those are some unproblematic unpro- dudes. At least one of them, right? Unless they're yeah. both canceled. I don't know. I think they both. I'm gonna play it safe and say they both are. <laughs> it's better Sorry to call to someone Franco canceled brothers. than than to, than to like any of them. But we've exactly. got. Well, speaking of James and Dave, we got John. <laughs> I guess my dad's Didn't name is Dave, and I am John, which has a J at the beginning. <laughs> there you go. That's that's all. It works. <laughs> it plays. Yeah. Well, welcome, John, back onto the pod. Hey, guys. What's up? <laughs> uh, for those welcome of you who back, don't know, uh, we, we interviewed John um, last year, um, and uh, we called him a, a trad in trad world, but apparently he's not that. So, well, yeah, I know. Now he's a I, I don't feel like world. I ever claimed to be a trad. Like, I, I live in trad land, but I like... I don't know. I mean, I think that was just our I wear reptiles perspective. We were yeah, like, it's also this, like a joke. This Yankee. Yeah. Well, I honestly like going elsewhere. I recognize that like I am definitely more of a Yankee than I typically like identify it as or like mm. think that I am. I don't know. What, what do you but, wait? What do you mean by that? Like, okay, so actually, to to move right into the Paris thing, going there, nobody wears like college sweatshirts or like. Not even really like OCBDs or Milserp mm. or any of the kind of like classic like rugged Ivy stuff. And so I definitely like moved away from that in my style because I didn't want to like out myself as like a dumb American, you know, because I already yeah. suck at speaking French and, you know, <laughs> I don't know, like being Parisian. But yeah, I was like, damn, I guess I do dress like pretty trad. And, and as like I said in your episode, you also sound like American, like you have like... You got that what like skater that guy mean? thing. No, no, you have like that skater as surfer American as uh, the fortune cookie. But that's not very trad. <laughs> I guess I don't really know what a trad person's supposed to speak like. Uh, um, well, with the I, video of the Boston Brahmins. Yeah, the video of those guys. Like they just like yeah, it's lively. Um, or or it sounded like what's, what's the fuck's that that conservative British guy that's not British? Are you William F. Buckley? Yeah, that guy. <laughs> That's like a what do you call that accent? Like a mid-Atlantic accent. Yeah, the mid-Atlantic. Kind of. Just talk like Fraser, and then you'll fit right in <laughs> in Paris. He, he is like the epitome of trad, so I guess yeah, we can use him as like our. And he's not even archetype. from Boston. Like he only worked. He only lived in so Boston for a little we're bit. We're doing that. we're doing a Fraser episode of. Oh, we are. Now. Yeah, I mean, we're having. Hey, spoiler! We're gonna have. We're gonna talk about Seinfeld in a future episode with Young Chomsky. Yeah, and we're Seinfeld. gonna talk to. We're gonna. Ha- <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we're gonna be talking about Frazier. Anyway, John John's back on the pod. Yeah, he's he's one of our he's one of our our, our best our best friends. You know, um, I wrote a very nice uh, piece on him because I've been very inspired by him. And yes, thank you. 
and I yeah, and uh, his fits in 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 Paris, as we talked about, it has a little bit of a style change, or a little bit of a vibe change, and I've been feeling it. Um, which echoes, I mean, me and John have been talking about this for like a long time, you know, we, when we send each other fits, not just in our Discord, but like just texting each other. And so uh, my style has been very inspired by his his journey. So we, we brought him back on the pod to talk and uh, tell us about Paris because we haven't been yeah. to Paris, Spencer, I, right? Well, as far as I, I know. haven't been to Paris. Well, you ha- you have. That's right. That's right. I mean, I meant, I meant like recently. Um, oh, not recently. But I did. Yeah, well, I actually, before. I haven't been at any time. So not <laughs> Also, not How about recently. Any place. Wait, that oh doesn't make sense. God, we're getting some Doctor Who territory over <laughs> Doctor here. Doctor Who. Well, I was thinking more like Doctor Strange multiverse kind of thing. Mm. I'm like, I don't yeah, know. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. Maybe not Spencer six one six, or maybe Spencer five. Evil, evil Spencer is going to come through the portal. Be like, yeah. I just got back from France. <laughs> You'll never guess. It's destroyed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but John, tell us what, what's, would, what's new. what would the evil version of you look like? Me? Would it have? Di- yeah, because I'm uh, thinking the evil version of me would have hair and no beard. <laughs> I would have. I would have no hair and no beard. Oh my god! Completely bald. <laughs> yeah, completely bald, like Bruce Willis or something. Yeah. And then, uh, is he completely bald actually, or does he have like a little? I bit think of... he's completely bald most of the time. Yeah. I th- well, actually, I think the evil version of me would just be Bruce Willis. <laughs> well it'd be like looper <laughs> it would be like it would yeah i'm the young version of bruce willis i i remember how and, and i gotta kill myself joseph gordon levitt looked in that movie uh uh-huh, because well because they like apparently bruce willis refused to put on any prosthetics that made him look more like joseph gordon levitt <laughs> so they, so had they just to... had a bunch of shit on jgl to make him look like bruce willis yeah, if I'm remembering right, too, that was, like, peak 2010s style. Like, super, like, skinny, like, J.Crew-esque ties and, like, f- like floral shirts and shit. I mean, he, I mean, yeah, J.J.L. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, wear, at least. He wore that, like, a lot, you know, yeah, vlogging and record. But, uh, but John, tell us, tell us what's new with you. Our, our, our keen followers and groupies just want to know, like, what's been going <laughs> on with Mr. Mr. Teacher. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, so I was in Paris um, over my final holiday break of college. Um, Backstory, my brother, he just graduated from high school, and he's spending nine months in Paris studying at Le Cordon Bleu cooking school. So he's doing cuisine and pastry. Um, And so he's staying with a host family there, and he's had like a, you know, a good enough relationship with them, I guess, that... You know, I don't know if he asked or my mom asked, but they were totally fine with me staying with them just on his floor um, for a month. Literally, and right? So, That's like, nice. It's literally on his floor. Yeah, so I literally slept on like a bunch of piled up blankets and shit on his floor <laughs> for an entire month. Do they not I- sell air mattresses in France? <laughs> Okay, so I had an air mattress for like the first two days, and okay. then it fucking popped. Oh, and I was no. like, either I can go buy another one, or I can just like tough it out. And honestly, like the blankets weren't that much worse. Okay. I, if anything, they might have been a little bit better than the air mattress. Oh my but God. yeah, needless to say, I didn't get very much sleep. But yeah, what, it was left it was bank or, or right bank. 
Dude, I don't even, I don't know. Like, okay, everyone talks about how like the Arondismon system makes so much sense. It's like spokes of a wheel, and it's like left and right of the sun. Dude, Paris is confusing as fuck from like a geographical <laughs> standpoint. It is not intuitive. So you don't like, know where. You, uh, the reason I ask is because I, I read this book. And this is my Ethan flex about like the art scene in Paris from like 1940, 1950, and it's about the left bank, which is like the more like the not as like bourgeois right bank and so like i was like oh man philosophy guy sleeping on the floor it sounds very left bank to me baby what well, so i was in the 15th ar i don't know if that means anything but wait hold on reverse i, I mean reverse those numbers 15 ar 15 you have a yeah. gun and yeah, they have, the, they have right lots now? of guns there actually they do have a lot of guns there Dude, all the cops are just walking around like packing oh yeah heat. i remember that it's yeah, crazy they yeah yeah but yeah, I, I, I don't I don't know. It's like especially I feel like I've been stunted in my geographical abilities by New York City being on a mm. grid, like Okay. You then go yeah. to somewhere like Paris and it's like it makes no fucking sense. Although yeah, the, the metros there Geo are Guesser really sometime. good. Yeah, GeoGuessr you'd be really helpful of with us. <laughs> no. We'll be, we'll but, be dropped in the French, you'll be like, Oh, I was right there one day. <laughs> yeah. That's where but, I slept on the floor. I, I was just, like, sort of tooling around the city for, like, most of the time I was there. I didn't have any specific plans. I had, like, general, you know, like, destinations that, you know, people had given me recommendations of cool museums and restaurants and, like, historical sites and whatnot. But, I mean, I had originally, when I had, like, looked into doing this trip, planned on traveling around Europe. But, obviously, COVID made that incredibly difficult, and I ended up having yeah. more problems than I initially um, had expected. Because while I was there, um, my vaccine passport expired because my Ooh. dose was too long. Like, it was too long since I'd gotten my last dose. And so, I ended up having to, like, fake my way into shit using my U.S. vaccine card. <laughs> because, literally, like, the app that they have there, Tus Anti-COVID... Whether or not a sort of like shopkeeper or like waiter or whatever had updated their app, it sometimes did and sometimes didn't like check me off as good. So like the whole thing was like shot and it made me really scared about traveling like outside of the country because I was like not sure if I'd be able to get back in. It could be like the terminal or something like – yeah, so that was crazy. But so I ended up just spending time in Paris, which I think in a lot of ways was good because it, like, it, I, I don't know, it made me explore a little bit more and not yeah. feel like rushed um, and not waste a lot of time traveling, too. I mean, yeah, with How- cities like London or Paris or, you know, even New York, whatever, there's just like so much to do that yeah. if you're going there for, like, you know, I, I, well, I don't know if you've been there before, John, but it's like, when I when I did like a month in London, like I thought about like leaving the country, but I'm like I don't know. There's so much to do in London. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't want to. Sp- I don't. And also, like I'm not the kind of person that wants to like. You know, I don't want to go someplace for like two days. I don't know. I want to. I want to be able to like enjoy myself a little bit more. Yeah, and and also like obviously traveling in the EU is easier and cheaper than like mm-hmm. traveling the same or similar distances in the United States. Say. But it's still not cheap. Like it's yeah. it's really expensive. So that that was a little how, bit. How long were too, you in but. how long were you in Paris? You said you said over your break, how long was that? So I think I was there like just shy of a month. So probably like mm. twenty five days or something. And I wow. ended up coming back a little bit early because um 
my brother went back to school and like this was right when Omicron was like starting to peak really bad and a couple of his friends had already gotten it. And so I got really worried that he was going to go back, get Omicron, then give it to me. And then I wouldn't be able to travel back to the U.S. And so I ended up leaving like like four days early or something Mm -hmm. and luckily did not get the covid that's good. Um, uh, what go. was the what's like the COVID situation in France? Do they have like or what places are open right now? What places are closed? Well, yeah. So while I was there, and within those past couple or those last couple of days, they went from having mask mandate everywhere indoors to mask mandate everywhere. So mm. literally outside, just on the streets of Paris, they're back to wearing masks and like. Everywhere you go, that's like a sort of restaurant, bar, museum. They have like you have to show your vaccine passport or your your like app QR code thing to get in. So it's it's pretty it's pretty strict. I mean, hmm. obviously, like here and like you know even some of the strictest places, you go into bars or like brasseries or whatever, and there are people fucking everywhere. Everyone's smoking cigarettes and like blowing yeah. the smoke in each other's faces. So it's like. A lot of it does feel like a little bit performative, um, but, you know. That's what I always felt about, like, people complaining, because like, obviously in California, people are like, oh, man, it's like, I literally had someone compare this to Auschwitz, which I thought, I was like, okay, that's a little too much. Jesus. Um, but then the guy's like, yeah, I could never go back to New York, it's crazy. I'm like, dude, when I was there, like, yeah, it's, it's all, like, they did ask for it, but then you go inside, like, yeah, me and John, like, we were there, and, like, the bar was, like, packed and it's yeah, like it not like even body like, to body yeah i think i think it like the the like covid stuff is like stricter in california than it is in new york anyway i don't know why and even be... then it's like it's not that strict here <laughs> like yeah, like people fine. people are still getting covid now um uh-huh. and it mm-hmm. sucks uh, but this is not an anti-vax podcast uh, no, I just got boosted. Actually, there you go. We're we're pro we're pro vax, baby. <laughs> PV P P and V <laughs> PV. Um, so okay, so you were there. You were there for for a for you know, little, little under a month here. How did you approach packing for this? Like I, I remember before my New York trip, I called Spencer and okay, how am I going to make this? We, you and I talked a little bit about like, hey, what, what yeah. should we wear? What days? I can't imagine, and I've never like been somewhere for more than like two weeks. Like, my mm-hmm. Japan trip was, like, 12 days. And, like, two of those days were, like, traveling, obviously. So how did you approach your packing? Yeah, so, yeah, so like you, this was the first time for me that I'd ever gone somewhere for that long. And definitely Damn, okay. the first time going somewhere for that long when I've really cared about, like, menswear and just, yeah. like, you know, making good outfits on a daily basis. Um, and I also had to grapple with the fact that it was going to be cold. Like it's a lot easier in some senses. It's easier to pack for the summer um, because literally just the garments themselves are smaller and lighter weight, Mm -hmm. but you also do have to like uh, wash them more and your outfits are more like based upon a singular statement piece. I rather than like layering. Yeah. But I only had one suitcase um, and a backpack. And so it, it, I think it was 50 pounds my suitcase oh my was. Um, and I just tried my best to pick pieces that would be, like, layerable with one another. Um, and I honestly think I failed really hard. I don't know <laughs> if it was just, like, me putting too much pressure on myself while I was there to, like, not repeat fit vibes or something. 
but I felt like I packed so shit the whole time I was there. <laughs> like, I think the main problem was it was unseasonably cold when I was there. Wow. Like, it, okay. Paris was way colder than it is typically. And I had only brought one coat. I brought that uh, tan camel polo coat that I yeah, yeah. Had just that recently cool. thrifted. And I should have brought another coat so that way I had just like some variability in my outerwear. Um, but I don't know. I, I didn't pack enough regular shirts. I didn't pack enough layerable knitwear. Mm. Uh, and I packed too much like tan things that did not go together. <laughs> so b- definitely before I left, I was getting on this yeah. kind of like weird 70s like earth tone vibe yeah, kind of thing. I feel it. And I, I don't know. That's like a tough way to dress, honestly, because so many like tans, if they have like different base notes to them, if they have like a green base note or an orangey base note, they just do not work well together. And I definitely ran into that a lot. Um, I but feel I, like pack, I don't know. well, like, yeah, packing for long trips like that is so tough because you kind of it kind of removes the like i don't know like spontaneous inspiration element of well, dressing and in yeah. a way yeah. too like i don't know about you guys but when i've gone on like shorter trips i tend to sort of block out like maybe four looks mm-hmm. you know like i have this evening look i have this day look i have this warm look i have this cold look whatever you know and when you're packing for 30 days like you can't do that you're just trying to go for a general capsule wardrobe kind yeah. of thing yeah, that's what and, I was going to Yeah, this is your exercise in putting together a capsule wardrobe. Hate it. Yeah. I hate this. Yeah, it, and exactly. That's the thing. I fucking hate capsule wardrobes. I'm a maximalist. Like, I like having a bunch of different things. And depending on the day, like, my style can vary vastly. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to, like, pigeonhole myself by packing, like, I don't know, like, mad boring shit. And so I just think I ended up being a bit too um, bold with some of my choices um and i i ended up i think then like repeating a lot of outfits because i recognized that there were only so many directions i could go in that actually ended up working with the stuff that i had but so, i did pick up things there yeah i was, I was supplemented say, my wardrobe and my brother and i are the same size for a lot of things hey, so i was yeah, able to steal yeah. some of his clothes brotherhood yeah, well, of the traveling suits yeah mm. well so bef- before we get into the new stuff so what did what did you actually bring with you that was like yours because i do see some stuff that the kind of you know like your navy jacket i think or whatever did come there your your raw ham jeans what, yeah. what did you actually bring with you okay so i brought my tan corduroys which i wear all the time i brought my raw ham orange tabs which i wear all the time yep i brought uh my navy double-breasted brass button blazer. I brought mm-hmm. my brown tweed 30s DB blazer. Yeah. I brought... Oh, you're really testing me. Um, <laughs> Should have just left your, your, your bag unpacked. I know, so you right? through it, yeah. Oh. Like a month later. I don't know. I brought... Like, I'm thinking about all the pieces that I wore the most. I brought my... Um, there you go. Like this mustard yellow Pendleton, like super heavyweight moleskin work shirt. I brought this yellow, brown, orange check button down shirt. Brought like a, you know, blue and white OCBD. I brought a white OCBD. Um, 
brought up. And you, you could have done laundry there, right? Like they had the yes. laundry machine. Yeah, I okay. was able to do laundry there. Um, That's like the, the key. Boots that the you way, brought. Those like, are cool. Yeah, I, well, I got the hiking boots there. So oh, there that, you go. we can okay. talk about that later. But um, I don't know. What else did I bring? I only brought four Jungle pairs jacket. of shoes. I brought like brown boots, black boots, my black tassels, and yeah. then I don't even know what the fourth ones were. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, how about this? Let's talk about what you bought there, and, and you yeah, because that because I feel like yeah, that these people don't need a, a bit, listicle right? of all the shit that I packed, <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially because yeah. I packed so badly. <laughs> so Guys, here's how not to pack for a month long trip. <laughs> Yeah, because you got yeah you got you found some really cool stuff. I mean, I think the one that stood out to me was the the DB, yeah, blazer, right? Yeah, that was so cool. that one I found at like the big ass flea market in Paris. Like, there's this one like famous, like humongous flea market that's running all the time. Yeah, and I just like went into like one of the vintage shops there or like sellers there. And I was, like, looking through a bunch of his stuff and ended up, like, grabbing this blazer. And I was like, oh, it's gray flannel. And I've been looking for a gray flannel jacket. And then I pulled it out. And I was like, oh, it's DB. And then I looked at the tag. And I was like, oh, shit, it's bespoke. Yeah. And I tried it on. And I think I ended up paying, like, I can't remember if it was 120 or 150 which I think is, like, a good deal. He knew what he had. He knew what it was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just like this gorgeous heavyweight flannel. Do you know DB. how old it is? Uh, I think it's tagged seventy-eight. Wow, really? Yeah, it's in That's... remarkably good condition for its age. And it doesn't um, look seventies to me. Like it looks. I thought it like it would be like eighties or nineties, maybe. But with a lot of the bespoke tailoring houses, like th- their styles remain relatively yeah, constant, unless they have customers yeah. that really want something that's you know in the trendy sort of aesthetic or cut or whatever. Right, but, right. Yeah, Damn, no, it, that one's awesome. It it is like, it's like a six on one or two because it mm. kind of like rolls on both. Um, which I think is rad. Idea, it's perfect. Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah. We're and gonna, it's got I mean, a nice strong a shoulder, strong chest. Like, dude, I've been getting way more into DBs. Like I kind of only want to wear DBs now. That's how I, that's how I feel, man. I am so excited to get my brown, uh, Chris Bear one from, from Hall Madden at some point. Cause I've been, I mean, you guys see, I've been wearing my fucking, like my DB yeah. brass button blazer a lot. My DB Navy, uh, suit a lot. Um, and I have that, that, that green one well, from, uh, Dave, so to me especially in the winter like wearing dbs they feel a lot more like like jackets than like yeah. a sport coat you know what i mean like they Maybe have that's this the like wrap around peacoat, feel like drapey feel and i, and I mean yeah. when you wear it <laughs> yeah. when you wear it open it seems more like casual it's yeah easy. it's sometimes easier to wear than a single-breasted one i finally got to the the pictures of the gray blazer and yeah i love the the, the shoulders on that those are really nice yeah it's 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 really good. And then I also mm. got another gray flannel jacket there too. That's from uh, like Pucci, I think, or some other like small Italian tailor, uh, Roman. And it definitely has like a very Roman cut. It's got like a you know a stronger shoulder, a little bit less waist suppression, slightly more closed quarters, three roll two. It's it's rad. Man, yeah, that that's it's cool that you're finding this stuff uh, at the uh, vintage stores because we don't, 
That's yeah. one thing America, or at least California, doesn't have a lot of. We're like, yeah, we have a lot of work. We're a lot of mill syrup, a lot of period clothing because of, you know, as I realized, it's like, yeah, people film movies here. You know, mm-hmm. people lived here. But we don't have bespoke. Like, you know, New York, you, you could probably find some bespoke maybe if you, you know, look through some stuff. And I know London has, like, secondhand bespoke stuff. But you don't see that here. Yeah. So that's, that's super yeah. Cool. So that was, that was, like, a big thing that I noticed and just, like, thought it would be interesting to talk about. Like, the differences I saw in what you find in, like, the, the average thrift or vintage store there. Like... Paris has way more high fashion stuff, first of all, in their thrift yeah. stores, like tons more and way more bespoke. And then they also have like a lot of workwear and their like contemporary or like recent vintage workwear is the kind of like French workwear that you find at like curated vintage shops or like vintage sellers in the United States. And it's dirt cheap. Like I ended up getting a blue chore jacket finally because I, I remember like when we were um, at the Rose Bowl, I couldn't find one that was a length that I liked. They were all a little bit too short, but I found one in sport coat length that was five dollars and hey. or five euros at like, you know, just a thrift store. And there are yeah, tons dude. of them. And so I picked that up. But yeah, there's also a ton more bespoke. Like if you go into a nice curated vintage shop there and I went into a couple like this, they'll just have a like several racks of just bespoke suits from either tailors you've heard of or just like random ass tailors. But you can tell it's bespoke because it's like hand padded lapels, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. hand finished buttonholes and then like someone's name, like very minimal or no branding. It's like and it's all just freaking gorgeous. And most of it actually is Italian. There there isn't that much Parisian tailoring from what I can tell. Um, or from what I saw, but I feel like yeah. I've heard this from like permanent style before too, where like there's like French tailoring is not there's not as much of a name for it, or people don't recognize it. I'm sure that they there are, but it's just now obviously when Italy's like kind of like not like right there, but it's you know well, and, and I think too um, Italian tailoring is cheaper than French tailoring, especially than like Parisian tailoring. So a lot of people will just go there and you know get three suits done because it's way mm. cheaper. Um, but yeah, Paris doesn't have much of a men's or much of like a tailoring tradition. It seems like I I hate to say that because I'm sure someone will like give me 15 examples of why I'm wrong, but all the Parisian tailors, I think just have mad weird styles. (laughs) Like, like I, like, I don't know about you guys, but I'm really not a fan of, uh, Chief Anelli. I think it's a weird look for the most part. Um, that's, I think it looks good on Ralph. That's about it. I mean, honestly. Yeah, maybe. What, what were the what were the like average guys in Paris wearing? How how well dressed yeah, was, is Paris compared to other cities that you visited? Okay, so this is interesting because going in, I was like, the world is so globalized, and especially if you're in like cities, metropolitan centers, like everyone in the world now dresses the same. We all have the same food everywhere. We all have the same everything. So I was like, they're going to be no different than like, you know, anywhere. They're going to be the same as New York. The average Parisian person dresses like a cut above the average American or New Yorker. Like, like definitely. There's definitely... um, just much more like the the average person just cares about style a little bit more and probably has better access to like stylish clothing than than around here 
as for like the actual style there was like there was a decent amount of diversity um but i guess what stood out to me the most was like almost this like country workwear kind of thing okay like so there were a lot of like colorful corduroys a lot of barber jackets a lot of really chunky sort of like alpine style shoes so like either Hell yeah either like chunky loafers, chunky derbies, or like, you know, even like Tyrolean shoes, like paraboots. Like there are paraboots everywhere. Like every third person is wearing paraboots or JM Weston's like, um, damn, tons of scarves, uh, tons of sort of like colorful accessories, like hats and gloves. Um, I've been told, you know, like three times in my life when I wore a scarf, someone goes, man, you look French. And I'm like, I don't know what the addition of a scarf means, but I guess if you're saying you see it everywhere. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Like everybody wears scarves. And it was probably because when I was there, it was very cold. That's true. It's cold, Um, yeah. But yeah, like I, I was shocked, especially because at least like when I was growing up, like it was always seen as like, oh, it's gay as hell if you're a guy and you're wearing a scarf, you know, like that was like a gay thing. And it, but I mean, it's hey, it's gay Paris, so it's not yeah, a problem over there. I guess <laughs> it's like, yeah, dude, it's really gay having a neck that's like, you know. I don't, I don't know, know if warm. I've said this before, but my friend Scott, uh, he would <laughs> – in high school he would wear a scarf all the time and even if he like and we wore polo shirts to school so it's it it was kind of like his thing i i maybe he has like a oh he just runs cold kind of a thing but like i just Mm -hmm. thought it was always funny he literally wore a scarf like no matter what but maybe he was maybe he's being french you know maybe just being french because yeah it's funny because i other than like i don't know um like like other than just like wearing like skinny black suits or whatever i don't really have much of a conception of like what is like a french uh like yeah. what is like fresh french menswear i guess there's like french ivy but that's still like very vague okay kind of so and that very you know, like mod look that i think a lot of people associate with like you know paris or something that mm. actually is not as prevalent as mm, you okay. think so like the I don't know if it's like coming from French cinema or French intellectuals or whatever that people have that association, but like there aren't that many people that wear like the kind of all black, like, Mm. you know, tailored turtleneck kind of thing. I mean, there definitely are some, but less than I think what people think. What there is, though, that people do, you know, associate with Paris is berets Hmm. and, like, funky eyewear. Like, that is totally a thing. So people wear berets. They also wear these, like, caps that are, um, like, a ball cap that have no brim. I don't even know what to call them. Okay, like a skull cap? I guess. They have, like, the the section in the back to, like, you know, Velcro it shorter. Yeah, yeah, I've seen they they, there's a couple places in L.A. that sell those. Yeah, they're really funky. Um, but a lot of people wear those. A lot of people wear berets and on every corner, there's like a cool little optician and like they, they have all these like chunky acetate glasses and like, you know, just like really funky eyewear and pretty much uh, everyone's wearing funky eyewear. Any frames while you're over there? No, I I had wanted to get sunglasses. Um, and I stopped into a couple places, but I ended up not, um, I, I saw you brought your glasses, so you had glasses while you were I there. I did, yeah. I brought my my fake glasses, my uh, <laughs> my American optical like, gray ones, um, and then you know sunnies. But it it was so cloudy the whole time I was there, and it's I guess Europe, that's pretty baby. normal for the winter. 
Yeah, but I didn't wear sunglasses at all. <laughs> if you want, hey, if you want, you want a place to wear sunglasses. There's a good place called Los Angeles, baby. That's right. <laughs> the sun is literally right outside my window right now. Wait, right wait outside. Back out there. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. Uh, I'm in. You're I'm burning. In. Yeah. Um, but okay, so tell us about pair boots because you bought pair boots, and that's something that Spencer, like you know, Spencer and I, we we we've worn suits before, but something we haven't done is pair boots. Tell us about that. <laughs> we foreign suits, but no pair of boots. So yeah, that actually. So my parents just like before Christmas, like months before, they were like, "Yeah, we don't like have any gifts for you." I was like, "Don't worry about it. Like, I don't need any gifts. Like, it's totally fine." And I'm so they ended that. up just, yeah. like, not getting me any gifts, um, which, like, I'm not mad about at all. They ended up, you know, like, coming to Paris, and we were able to s- stay with them in their Airbnb, and we went out to dinners, and, you know, it, like, that was enough of a Christmas for me. I'm totally grateful for all that. But um, my mom actually didn't bring, like, any lace-up walking shoes to Paris, and she, I was like, Mom, like you should get para boots. Like, look at all these people with para boots. And everyone, I feel like that follows me, or even follows like style and direction, like knows about my mom. She is cool as hell and has like amazing style, like way yeah, better than yeah, mine. Yeah. And so she was like, Hell yeah! Like I'm, I'm totally into like the, the chunky like Tyrolean shoe look. And so I took her to para boot and. She tried on some pair of boots. She ended up getting some Michaels. And while I was there, she and I both, like, love those, like, hiker-style boots. And apparently, I guess everyone does now. That's, like, mm. a thing. Those, th- those like, hikers are having, like, a moment. Um, but we were eyeing those. And I was like, all right, so can I try these on in, like, a 41 <laughs> and a half or whatever? And I tried them on, and my mom was like, oh, my God, those are so fucking cute. And I was like, these are so fucking <laughs> cute. And so those ended up being my one Christmas gift. Um, what are they called? Can you pronounce the name? Of that model? It's like Averaz, uh, I think, or whatever, right? I don't even know. I have to look it up. Um, I really would, yeah. I mean, I don't really like buying shoes unless I can try them on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because... I don't know. I just feel like it never it never works out anytime I bought shoes online. I mean, I guess it has because I bought several pairs of shoes online that I still wear, but usually it doesn't. Um, and I, I really I really want pair of boots, but yeah, there's no place in California that stocks them. Yeah, I really wanted. I really well. I'm, that's probably not true, but I want to try them on. And there's no place around me that. Stocks yeah, them. and I I would because I ended up I think going down a half size and they mm. are slightly narrower than yeah. like the average shoe um, yeah especially with like european, european shoes <laughs> and everything like yeah there's just it's such a difference between brands and everything that i'm like i can't i can't do it i can't yeah. buy these online without but, trying them on first anyways i feel like i actually was justified in getting them because i live like in the northeast and don't have a pair of like actual rugged boots that are like suited for winter and like slush and snow and shit and so now i do because i just yeah, have I, like only fucking yeah. dress shoes <laughs> no, that that was me i wore i wore my alden commando boots to go airsofting and yeah. then I, I got these eddie bauer like i guess yeah the danner style like hiking boots but mm-hmm. they're they're the eddie bauer k6 so mm-hmm. 
I don't. They never sent me a shipping notification. Maybe by the time this comes out, I'll have it. But um, I'm excited what, to see it. What and, are they uh, calling this new form of ivy? Is it like hardcore ivy or no, something? Well, it's not new. It's a, it's a 70s term called heavy duty ivy. Oh, heavy duty. And it was right. coined by like a Japanese magazine in like the 70s and 80s. Oh, okay. And, Gotta uh, get it on my Torah, man. Read all yeah. about this. Yeah, that's, yeah. Okay, so you got you got those shoes. You got a bunch of cool stuff. Now, did that, that help you make some more fits like at what point did your fit start getting better or at least that you thought you know you were like uh, making some good stuff i think honestly like looking back on the fits that i made and like all the fit picks i took i'm like these fits are all like pretty good i i think i just like got in my own head a lot while i was there i don't know why yeah i was about to ask like, you like performance so anxiety or something <laughs> yeah like did you feel like you stood out did you feel like you leaned into the look like what did you what's so your I, mindset there yeah so i think part of it was that i was like trying to simultaneously like you know I don't know, like assimilate, but also like, you know, maintain my personal style. Like, like I said earlier, you know, people don't wear the sort of like American, you know, collegiate look at all there. And so I ended up like... Borsarello might do that because he loves vintage. (laughs) Yeah. But I, I ended up dipping more into like, you know, sort of like minimally tailored and like somewhat workwear inspired looks. Mm -hmm. Um... I, what what was even the question? What did you say? <laughs> no, I'm just asking. Like, again, did you did you feel like you leaned into like the Parisian vibe oh. while you were there? How did you? Yeah, I I, I leaned into like a very specific. I don't know if I leaned into like a Parisian vibe or what kind of vibe. I think I just leaned into like a more understated vibe in general. Interesting. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm I'm not sure how to describe the sort of aesthetic I I went for, for the most part. And I think, like, from, like, looking back at the outfits, there was, like, a fair amount of variation. Um, Mm -hmm. But I I definitely was feeling this, like, brown, tan, black, and gray thing. I don't know what that was about, but, like... The four colors. I don't know, yeah. I was really liking like wearing, you know, my mustard shirt with a black tie and a gray jacket and black boots. Like that was, Mm. that was my vibe. I mean, I'm looking through and, you know, everything, everything you're, a lot of your fits, they're, they're, I guess what you would call practical uses of tailoring. Yeah. Um, That was definitely a thing. I I had to think about like being (laughs) warm and like having enough pockets to like pull out my stupid vaccine card and my metro card and my mm-hmm. whatever but i don't know like, I, I mean I yeah i mean i, I, I feel like obviously it's kind of tough like you don't you don't live in paris you don't have your you don't have your wardrobe with you there so of uh, and you're living you know you're kind of working out of your suitcase and your vintage purchases mm-hmm. so i feel like you know um, you are kind of like limited and it is an interesting exercise, but I still feel like it looks very, it still looks very you. Um, mm-hmm. And definitely again, like for me, again, the reason I wanted you on here is because I feel like it's very in- inspiring to see these kind of rugged stuff. Cause I, I own, I still own like a lot of stuff that look, it's very similar to this, you know, I just don't wear it in this way, you know, a lot of more minimal stuff or, or well, what pieces you know. are you reacting to in particular? I mean, like, you know, I think like the, the like the checked, uh, work shirt with like a tie that you did you know mm-hmm. a lot of the mustardy yellow stuff yeah um and then of course just wearing wide pants with like everything i think is just is just really cool like you mm-hmm. have like some like brown cotton dungaree kind of stuff that i feel like you, with like the you wore that with like a white jacket i think yeah that, those that, were that a pickup cool. those yeah. were like dead stock flares mm-hmm. that i i Damn. picked up for like 20 euro or something 
damn from that's the odd. 70s okay. yeah okay so well okay did you go what other modern stores did you go to i'm sure people are curious yeah. to hear about like you know the regular menswear stuff yeah so a lot of people were asking me about that and like giving me recommendations and whatnot um yeah i i gotta say i was kind of underwhelmed by a lot of it so mm. american sorry, paris come on <laughs> yeah sorry paris but um i don't know there was like beige beige habillor which is like drake's i guess i'd say or like yeah. a very you know sort of pared down version of the armory prices were incredibly high and just like the pieces were you know about the same as what you'd get at the armory um there was brute which everybody like you know was saying oh you gotta hit brute you gotta hit brute i was really underwhelmed i think Mm. partially because their stocking and aesthetic that I have such easy access to here and you guys definitely have even easier access to where you are and the prices are super high. Like they're selling like Pendleton flannels for like, you know, 80 euro or something. And- I think it depends on what you get from them because, I mean, they have some cool like like European military stuff yeah, from so- like the 70s or 80s that's usually pretty cheap, but I never yeah, get anything because so I don't want to pay international like- shipping. A lot of their Euro workwear and um, Euro Millsurp like didn't seem to be on the floor of the store. Hmm. I wonder if that's okay. all that's like for online. Yeah, it kind of seems like it. Um, so that that was unfortunately a little bit disappointing. Um, I'm trying to remember what other contemporary stores I went to. You um, have something here called Come On Eileen. <laughs> that that was there were two vintage stores that were okay, called Come okay. On Eileen. And those were both really pretty rad. The prices were kind of high on things, but like tons of bespoke stuff, like, you know, tons Damn. of designer tailoring. And yeah, th- those were cool shops. So my favorite store was Shea Mar, which was a vintage okay. store. And it's yeah. clearly this guy's second job because the store opens at like five o'clock and closes at oh. like eight or nine. Um, okay. And it's just That's in this like cool. random hole in the wall. And it's super packed. Like there's a little basement area and shit's all just like piled up. He clearly is just <laughs> like a picker and like, you know, likes clothes or whatever. But he has a ton of good stuff and he's a super chill and funny guy. Um, he speaks a little bit of English and my French is like, okay. But we were able to sort of like shoot the shit and talk about, you know, like, why i was in paris and you know the type of clothing i was into and he sort of recognized quite quickly that i was like into like bespoke stuff and like yeah you know like tailoring in general um but yeah the guy has like tons of like jm weston and he had like aldens and he had paraboots and he had so much bespoke shit and so i ended up getting that gray flannel um single-breasted jacket from him um and I brought my brother there just to like introduce him and like show him the store and yeah, dude, the guy had so much good stuff and it was mm-hmm. a he seemed to have a very cool clientele. Like while I was there, both times I went, um, and he's in he's right near the Moulin Rouge, um, but while I was there, there were young people like right about my age who seemed like a little bit interested in menswear two of the guys that were there the first time i went were there to pick up stuff for a new year's party um oh that's cool and nice. i don't know how they had gotten that recommendation but they were pretty cool and i was able to sort of like shoot the shit with them and like the next time i was there there were some other young people there too but 
Yeah, that that place was really, really rad. And anyone that goes to Paris, I totally recommend it. His hours are weird, but um, you can find them on his Instagram. Well, I mean, if you're a working adult, then I guess you have the best. You have the best one. You just go after work. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, get a fucking job. No, it's actually like nice it's hours. It's just yeah. like not your typical retail location, you know, situation. So, so the your favorite was a vintage store there. Yeah. So nothing, nothing else. No. Uh, did you go to go to Husbands at all? Anything like that? No. No. So I tried to go to Husbands, um, but it ended up being closed. Like the, their hours were like listed wrong or something, and I, I walked over there and they were closed. I thought about maybe like going to Chifanelli or or um, what's the other one? Uh, I don't uh, know some other famous Parisian hol- holiday b- b- below. Oh no. Okay. Yeah. But did I, you do I holiday? Didn't. Which one? Because there's there's beige habular and then there's holiday boileau, which is like the another retail store. I, I guess not. Never I mind. It's fine. Heard of that one. Um, <laughs> but wow. you know, I went to I went to Paraboot. I went to a couple different Paraboot locations. I went to nice. JM Weston. Um, oh, tell us about JM Weston. JM Weston, dude they they have some nice shoes and they are expensive as. Mm. like i didn't realize how expensive jm weston stuff is um but i went to that store that has all those really weird like shoe things like shoes that were lasted around like weird bits of like tree branches and like two chelsea boots that are stuck together by the top and like uh a derby that has like 15 soles on the bottom kilty shoes that have like the kilty tassels that are like six feet long but the the thing that stood out to me the most at jm weston and i think the thing that they're known for at least there are like their chunky derbies and their chunky loafers and in particular they had this one pair of tan derbies with a crep sole that was like an inch thick and it, it just reminded me so much of like you know like 40s apparel arts illustrations of people like in the alps and stuff and the the types of shoes that they would wear there and those were cool as hell but i think they were like 1200 euro or something which is a lot that's yeah Mm. that's a lot i mean i i remember um ryan was telling me how he it wasn't in uh it wasn't in paris but he he went to like a jm weston story in like japan i think and he he ended up pulling the trigger and those like there's like his favorite like black like penny loafers mm. which is like yeah the classic jm weston right there you know yeah well i don't know like how familiar you are with the jm weston models but what do you think about their penny loafer because it's definitely a different look and a lot of the sort of parisian loafers follow that style it has a slightly longer vamp often a split toe um mm. yeah I like, know how I feel American. about it. And they're kind of low profile. Like, I mean, like, like they're not, like, they're kind of, uh, it's interesting because, like, you know, usually, like, long vamp stuff I feel like I don't like. But the Jane Weston, it's, it's, like, slowly growing on me. But I, I know I, I'm very anti-high vamp, but I feel like I would want to try them on. Because it's, like, you know, it's kind of like Crockett and Jones where it's, like, I don't have an issue with Crockett and Jones over Alden. I'm sure it's it's better than Alden. and But, like, I just, I don't have any experience yeah. with it, you know? I think the the fact that the toe box is a little bit more blunted than your average high vamp loafer does yeah, balance exactly. the silhouette of the shoe reasonably well. Yeah, that's how I was thinking. Um, because, yeah, when you get those, like, Magnani or something, like, mm. super high vamp loafers with the elongated toe box, it can just look, like, really clownish, you know? 
but yeah, and we hate clowns. We so. hate, we do hate, we clowns. Do hate clowns. Yeah. Well, so to get away from from Inter a little bit, tell us like you know what some highlights of like you hanging out in Paris, you know, yeah, before we man. close out. We want to hear that. Honestly, like the biggest thing for me was just hanging out with my brother. Like you That's know, cute. like I have a really close <laughs> relationship with my brother, and it's sucked not having him around for so long, mm. and to not how, even how really school. How much more school does he have over there? He's there until late June. Wow. <laughs> so he's there okay. for a while. Um, but yeah, like e- even, you know, obviously we live in like an ultra connected world, but you know, the time change being six hours and him being in school, um, it, it just makes it really hard to communicate with him. So it, it was really nice hanging out with him. And some of like the best times I had were us just like tooling around, like, you know, taking the Metro, taking fit pics on the Metro and then cooking. Um, he's obviously yeah. in cooking school there and he already was like a, you know, quite an accomplished uh, chef, I guess I'll call him a chef. He wouldn't call himself a chef, but um, he, and he's gotten even better and, you know, we cooked a lot together. We went out to eat a lot together. And one of the most fun things that we did was his local, like, patisserie, which is like a bakery. Um, we tried every single pastry they made uh, over the course yeah. of, like, you know, 20 days or something. And we mm. made, like, a ranking list. And he, he's now, like, started ranking pastries on his story. Okay. Um, Pastry and, ranker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so that was that was really fun. Um I don't know. On Christmas, we went to this uh, a, a Catholic mass at like a you know mm. an ancient stone church with beautiful cool. stained glass. Are you like, Catholic? Is your family Catholic? No, we're we're pretty secular. <laughs> um, but we were like we're here. We're in Paris, and yeah, went in, went in yeah. Paris. <laughs> go to mass. <laughs> yeah, we just literally. I looked around like as I was walking around the city. Um, in the days leading up to Christmas, I just looked for, like, posters that advertised, like, you know, masses that were open to the public. Yeah. Well, isn't I, – I know that – isn't uh, France, like, a very uh, secular country in general? It, like, I, I, think, I think yeah. so, yeah. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. To me, it was more about, like, the historical and artistic yeah, no, elements about it. Because, yeah, Did we're, go we're to not the, very religious. Did you, you go to the, the cursed catacombs? so we had wanted to actually but yeah. they were closed because of the holidays oh um, no because of the monsters <laughs> yeah probably that i mean they they yeah, yeah. as above so below close yeah yeah I'm, tr- I'm trying to think of some of the other things that we did though that were awesome um did you was, was this your first time in paris actually i, I don't know if we said this no I, i've been to paris uh i think once before but i was so young so this oh, okay. was my first time there as an adult and as like as a person that you know enjoys traveling and appreciates you know all, all that traveling Culture. has to offer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Did you get to go to the Louvre? Uh, I didn't go to the Louvre because I went when I was younger. Um, okay. And it was just so fucking packed. Like it, I walked, you know, past the Louvre and you know past like the Tuileries Gardens and stuff. And like mm. during the holidays, like during the time that I was there it's insane and so i was i i went to you know plenty of other museums um yeah but, well you missed out a good on, place on the, to yeah when's a good place to visit mary magdalene <laughs> god <laughs> sorry where's, where's yeah. a good place to visit like a good time to visit paris because i mean obviously like in the winter right i mean i guess <sighs> just anywhere other than the winter or summer <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know honestly yeah you off because if you just want to avoid probably. peak yeah tourist season but... yeah 
I don't know. I mean, as a, as long as you just go to places that are generally off the beaten path, and I think this holds true for like most of traveling, like you're not going to run into that many tourists. Like, yeah, we went to some museums that were smaller. I can't remember what the museum was called, but it was like a Monet museum, and it was fucking incredible and there was like nobody there and it, it hmm. was like december 26th or something you know did they project Boxing monet guy. on the walls uh, <laughs> have you have you heard oh, of man. this no it's an la thing wait oh yeah it's an la oh man so uh this little quick thing here um in in japan i went to like this digital art installation hmm. uh, which is kind of instagrammy but i feel like it, the, this one in japan was not it's like they use a lot of like projection stuff and it's really cool like on different like you know, it's like it's like you can have like a some blank like sphere, and they would project art onto it. And mm-hmm. I guess they kind of did that with Van Gogh, uh, <laughs> but I heard that it's basically like a PowerPoint presentation because like it's just not as good as like the Japanese one. Um, and so it's like a running joke here in LA that people paid like a lot of money to go to this. It's mostly like yeah, digital art thing with like you know. Yeah, Van Gogh's, whatever. But then it's like literally like just them projecting stuff onto a wall, and like oh. that's it. So, yeah, and it, funny, funny um, LA joke. What? How about some? How about food and drink? Oh my yeah, god, dude. So honestly, I, I feel food like and drink over there. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, food and drink really was the main <laughs> focus of the trip. Like, it yeah, was not yeah, really menswear. It was way more about food and drink and. We actually ended up eating out a lot less than I thought we were going to and okay. cooking a lot more. Why not? Partially I would say why because not? <laughs> there are farmer's markets like every day, depending on what hey. arrondissement you're in, and they are incredible. Like the amount of fresh produce, you know, fresh meat, fresh cheeses, you know, fresh, fresh. jams and jellies and wines and whatever. Like, it is unbelievable. And also, Damn. their supermarkets there have tons of fresh stuff and have tons of great products that are ridiculously cheap. Like, mm. it's amazing. And so my brother and, and I ended up, like, cooking a lot more and, and eating out a little bit less. Um, but... Dude, oh my god, the pastries there, the bread there, like it's so good. I ended up not drinking that much at all while I was there. I had intended on, you know, like getting hammered every night off yeah. of like cheap ass wine or whatever. <laughs> but I, I actually don't um I don't dislike wine, but I'm not very into wine as a person. I'm much more into I cocktails. Feel you. Same. I, I, I'm just overwhelmed by the wine world, and so I've never taken the time to like find out what I like. Because half the yeah. time I'll order a glass and not like it. Um, but yeah, their cocktail culture is shit. So I didn't really yeah, drink that much. That's that's what I've heard. There's not not many people drink like uh, cocktails. No, it's liquor. In, like in even the nicest restaurants, their cocktail menus are typically like what you'd get at a college bar in the United wow, States. Okay. Like it's pathetic. And part of me is like I need to go there and like open a real cocktail bar because there's definitely a market <laughs> you for could, it. You could start something. Yeah. Um, but I mean, hey, they they could have gotten some. Uh, uh, damn, what's the liquor absinthe? He could have gotten some absinthe. 
Uh, well, I actually have absinthe in my in my home bar here, well, so hey, I don't I've, need I've had, to get absinthe. Abs- you know, you can. But I but will you're, say, you're in the, the the motherland. Yeah, some of their <laughs> fortified wines and sort of like yeah. those unique spirits, they are cheaper there. So that mm. I mean, like I green chartreuse, yellow chartreuse were like twenty bucks cheaper than what they are here. Wow. Okay. Um, which I wish I could have you know had more space in my luggage because I would have brought them home. But you know whatever. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, honestly, like the standouts when it comes to food are the fucking pastries, dude. Like it really like the stereotype holds up, man. Yeah. France knows how to do their carbs. (laughs) Like, uh, my favorites were, you know, a pain au raisin, the, uh, the chausson citron, which is like an, uh, a lemon curd turnover kind of thing. Um, that sounds really Abricotine, which is like this puff pastry, apricot, and like weird like jelly kind of thing. Um, yeah. I don't know. I could just list them off forever. But man, yeah. Ugh. Damn. Yeah, I really. Gotta go. I'm, I'm eating brie cheese on like wheat, wheat toast. So. That's pathetic. <laughs> they, yeah, that's like sacrilege <laughs> in Paris. Hey, it's better than putting it on a Ritz cracker. I'll tell you that. I guess um, so. So what did so tell us about like the people there like were they did you make it did you like meet up with anybody did you make any new friends or what was the vibes Um so I I only met up with one person I think that I knew from social media uh his name's Victor and I I don't know we probably just Frank liked each other's fit pics before <laughs> and it turns out yeah, actually he's, he's his trying to bring a, a corpse back to life <laughs> It turns out, though, so he, he is originally from, um, I, can't, I can't remember what, he's from South America somewhere, um, and he works as, as a diplomat in Paris, but it wow, turns okay. out his partner is actually from like a couple towns over from me in Connecticut, which is totally wild. And I ended up meeting up with him, and he showed me around, like, the second arrondissement. He showed me some of his favorite menswear spots and, you know, restaurants and stuff. And that was totally great. Um, But other than that, I I don't think I met up with anybody intentionally other than some old friends. We actually did travel to Germany um, just for one night and and, uh, met up with my old au pair, actually, her husband and their two Mm. children. Um, who we've like you know remained close with for a really long time uh but as for the people in general like i think parisians have the stereotype of being you know not very friendly and quite rude uh that did not hold up of all the stereotypes that did hold up like yeah everyone smokes cigarettes and day drinks and takes long lunches and whatever that shit's all true parisians are nice if you make an effort so i i think a lot of the time you know, Americans are just like, you know, I don't know, very presumptuous. They think that everyone's going to speak their language and, you know, so wait on their coattails the, and the shit. Americans that are rude. It's yeah, honestly, it really is. Um, I mean, I, I speak a little bit of French. My French is not very good. I, I took it in high school and then two semesters in college. Um, I can talk to people in like a, a grocery store or like I can talk to people in shops and whatever, but... You know, my vocab is not that good. My accent is not that good. But as long as you try, in my experience, everyone was incredibly nice. And I don't know. Yeah, I, I, had, I had a good experience. And 
you know, a big part of me now wants to try or, in, and I'm definitely going to investigate graduate programs for teaching in Paris because I, I do know of some people that have managed to somehow get the French government to pay for their education. And so if that's something I could swing, I would love to live there for, you know, a year or two and finish up my language skills and just, just I don't so know, you know, be a part I don't of the culture. I don't want to sleep on a bed. Uh, I don't want to sleep on the floor, <laughs> I should say. That's what I mean to say but, when I come visit you if that happens. Yeah, and one more thing. Like more broadly, I guess like I think like the Parisians have a general – and I don't know if it's just Parisians or if it's the French, but they have a joie de vivre yeah. that we do not have in the United States. Like they take their time with life and they, you know – indulge in sort of like the wonderful things you know uh, the you know wonderful art and wonderful culture and wonderful mm-hmm. clothing and wonderful food um in a way that we just like don't hear you know they i mean they they've been around for a long, long time the buildings are so old <laughs> the people are so old <laughs> you know it's hard to have a joie de vivre when you're uh Looking at like a fucking Dunkin' Donuts in a strip it's mall also here. Yeah, it's hard when, I mean when that you is don't, when you don't speak that damn language. That is true, but like <laughs> I don't know. They 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 all like there is no takeout. Like people don't order food and take it out and take it on the go. You don't order a coffee and take it back to work. You know, you sit down, you have your coffee, you sit down, you have your food, you smoke your cigarette, you talk with your friend, you know, you wear clothes that are nice, you know, you might not have that many pairs of shoes, but the ones you have are J.M. Weston. Um, And yeah, everyone just seems to have like a greater appreciation for like the nice things in life. And I have a lot of respect for that, you know, obviously... Then there is the downside of that. Like you go to a store and it just says out for lunch and they're just gone for three <laughs> fucking hours. Or you want to uh, get something done, you know, bureaucratic or governmental. And, oh, yeah, everything's done on paper and they lost the paper. So there is I mean, that. That's why, hey, that's why, uh, that's why the EU is not based in Paris. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Uh, on, on that on that note about takeout, I remember someone. I I don't even know. Remember if we even did a podcast about my Europe trip. Maybe it was even after or did, the, did the we, pod came like afterwards. We something. I don't we might have done something. But anyway, um, I remember like uh, the place, I, the hotel I stayed at. Um, it was like down the street. There was like this really cool restaurant, this like bistro, and I think we were just so tired. And my my like you know my my mom is there. You know maybe it's like time of the month stuff so she didn't feel like like being outside and so like they sent me to go order the food and then i was like oh yeah i want to take it back like i want to take out they're like they looked at me like what are you talking about (laughs) and i'm like well i was like is there anything like obviously like i was like my parents are like you know they're really tired you know and i'm like i'm not like i'm not a street beggar here like i'm like i'm I'm at the restaurant and the guy there was so nice he literally like took like um like the like a plate and like the, all of like the st- like the, the yes! from the restaurant he like just covered it with something and he was like okay just bring it back later and then i i took it and i went back and they were closed like in the evening so i went back in the morning and the i guess the new manager was there and he's like why did you have our stuff and i'm like oh no but that's not unusual the amount of times yeah. that you see people just walking around with actual flatware from a restaurant like with food on it or without food like 
People do that because they'll have their like local brasserie or something and they clearly know the people there and they'll just go yeah. there and they'll get like a bowl of beef bourguignon in a porcelain bowl with metal silverware and they'll just take the whole thing back to their like house. Yeah. It's crazy. It was everywhere. So actually at, at the big flea market, um, yeah. there, there are restaurants sort of like interspersed in it and pretty much everybody at like 12 o'clock or one o'clock is sitting in their little flea market, you know, booth or like shop. And they're, they have like their like plates and they have a bottle of champagne. Maybe they might even have some like, you know, raw oysters or like foie gras or whatever. And they're just like eating like it's a freaking feast (laughs) in just like their weird little vintage shop. Like it's, it's crazy, man. I don't know. Well, John, it's been great having you on the podcast. Thank you for coming on and telling us about your your France trip. And what an incredible we... anecdote to end on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> about, right? about about people eating in yeah. the little vintage stalls for their Dude, stuff. it's weird. I wish we did it here. It's it's kind of cool. <laughs> I always my my anecdote with that and I hope uh you don't leave us again. That's a little inside <laughs> joke for us. Um that uh but like I always love that like seeing like old Europe like I've I like the like, movies or like just I've heard yeah people like literally just bring like dishes and pots with them whenever they go out like that's their picnic and I'm like mm-hmm. that seems so cool and so messy like all the soups and stuff, you know. I'm like here it's like we're so anti not anti picnic but like we I don't know the, the picnic I'm anti picnic. I think they're <laughs> evil. But like the, the the picnic vibe here is like a lot different. I think yeah. you know it's a little bit. It's not as like full meal. It's like it's like drive through takeout or like exactly. just like a sandwich in a freaking ziploc. Or you, you know? just get a bunch of yeah. yeah grapes and cheeses. Yes. Yeah, or you do what the Spencer and Ethan special. You get a whole bucket of fried chicken and then yeah. you just take that. To That's you. a good move. Um, I mean, yeah, fuck yeah. Actually, America's great. Actually, so yeah, uh, Ameri- <laughs> we've got charm. I did the, want to ask. Oh yeah, wait, Spencer, go ahead. Well, I was going to say the closest thing that we have. There's a vintage store in Costa Mesa that I go to sometimes. That's inside a donut shop that you have to ask to be like let in. Whoa, it's like a speakeasy. No, that's right. It, yeah, because it's like attached. It's owned by this like Japanese vintage collector, mm. and then it's like a pretty good selection, but it's all very small. So I've never bought anything from it. <laughs> um, but well, yeah, I, uh, you get a donut and you get some to see some vintage. Speaking yeah. of that, before we close out here, did you have a – did you go to McDonald's? <laughs> uh, I went to McDonald's. I didn't get anything there, okay. but I oh. saw well, did you the see what they call a quarter nuts. pounder with cheese. Wait, what? Did you see what they call the quarter pounder with cheese? No. Do they it's have a, a different name? Yeah. yeah, it's a Royale. Because of the metric oh, system. Weird. Have you no, not seen Pulp Fiction? <laughs> They have like they have like the McBaguette and they have the McChaco nuts and they have the the McMacaron and oh it's it's yeah it's kind of scary. I feel well it was funny I feel like American branding for McDonald's has gone like has they've lessened their branding here and mm. at least in at least in LA we're like now like I've always liked McDonald's and I feel like it's actually like pretty good it's like everything is like made to order now kind of like a Wendy's which I don't know if anyone else listening to this knows what a Wendy's is but like I think it's gotten better which is kind of funny because like I feel like they've dropped like the muck whatever like they just say like oh get a get a coffee at McDonald's mm-hmm. not like a muck cafe but I feel like I guess in other places like across the pond or whatever like you have to keep the branding up because it's like you know I, I drove by a McDonald's the other day and they had a sign out said uh, a front that said we're McHiring 
So, okay, I guess maybe not. <laughs> maybe that's the, yeah. <laughs> maybe the hiring part. Will still have it. Uh, wait, also, what was that Pikachu that you have there? Oh, yeah. dude, the amount of weird candies they have and weird like confections and things—it's crazy. That was like a Haribo sour Pokemon like bag. What the fuck? Yeah, uh, dude, and they had like Bulbasaur and Charizard too. Like it was, oh, dude, it was and, swag. And you're a big Pokehead. I I am. I am. I yeah, on the last like or one of the last days I was there, I went to the local Monoprix, which is like their grocery store, and just copped yeah. all the weirdest shit that I could and my brother and I just did like a taste tester and just ate a bunch of that weird ass awesome. candy and like snacks, so I love that. I should do that whenever I'm in like another place. Like, yeah, I love, I love candy. Yeah, why don't I love you, dude? Or like, yeah. and the photo is included in the folder. But like, they had all these chocolates that were filled with different weird spirits. Like, there's an yeah. absinthe Ghosts? filled chocolate, okay. and like a genepi filled chocolate, and uh, yeah, whatever. But those Frenchies, <laughs> man. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, they put ghosts in there. Uh... <laughs> they put the ghosts of all the of famous dead yeah. French people in there. <laughs> well john thank you again where can people find you if they want to follow you i mean they now you're back to to posting regular content yeah oh, you also had me your on phone it. stolen right yeah i did oh shit. I know. we <laughs> didn't even get into that maybe we'll leave that for another time but yeah follow me on <laughs> instagram at john Greenacre. um that's, that's pretty much the only social media that i use uh yep cool yeah and if you guys want some pictures you can go on the the blog a little bit of rest.com and uh there's, you know, and if you want, take all the pictures. Yeah. Yeah. And if you want, like, basically a full recap, too, on my Instagram right now, I have, I think, four story highlights that are just pictures from my friends' trip. So nice. They're a there lot. You go. That's your place to view the photos. Well, if you like John a lot, you can follow him or you can talk to him sometimes on our Discord. Hell and yeah. And you get the access to the Discord. Patreon.com slash style and direction. All spelled out. $5 a month gets you access to our Discord and our bonus episodes where maybe John will come on for bonus episodes too. You know, we can talk some more fun shit. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, We also talk about movies there. And then $10 a month, we you get that. But we also uh, say your name as a personal thank you. So thank you to Austin Malott, Shane Curry, Philip Gagard, Audrey Jessica, Jarek Colian, and James Devonzo. We appreciate you guys uh, so much. Um, Relationships. That's right. We'll be back in our future episodes, obviously. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's so, not gonna be someone else. Yeah, it's gonna be someone else, or or no one else, just Ethan <laughs> and Spencer. You don't know, but we got some great content lined up for you. Catch us on Twitch Monday and Thursdays um, for our streaming since we have to change it up. But we'll see you guys when we see you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Love everybody. you guys. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>